Hi, friends. I'm Ashley Kramer. And I'm Brittany Labby. And this is More Than a Season podcast. With the help of men and women across all sports and levels, we dive deep into the highs and lows of the sports industry. No topic is off limits as we discuss the struggles and stereotypes while celebrating the successes and community that comes with this lifestyle. So whether you're a coach's or athlete's significant other or just enjoy talking about sports, you are welcome here. Let's take a look beyond the season and get started with today's episode. This is Ashley. And this is Brittany. We're getting better at this whole like tagline thing. I know. How's your week going? It's going good. I'm excited for, I just keep thinking about vacation. Like that's all that's on my mind lately because we have so many things planned. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm just trying to get through the next couple of weeks. I'm like in the events world, I'm sure you know, is like nobody had events for a long time and now yeah. it's like nonstop. I know. Everybody wants to do things. I also think that like people forgot how to plan events and do events. Oh, I was yeah. on the other phone on the phone the other day with someone and she was so sweet, but she was asking me different questions about the events and she just stopped and was like, I forget. What do I even need to ask you? Like you forget. Yeah. It's I feel been like so long. It's a lot of research that like builds up into it mm-hmm. to like put an event on site. But I mean, speaking of traveling, we both have travel plans in the summer. So for those that don't know the football industry, we don't really get time off. <laughs> it's kind of like this like unsaid, like, oh, you get two weeks here and mm-hmm. it's like, or three weeks pushing it. Right. Yeah. Like, you get about three weeks in June or July, just kind of depending on when you aren't working during that time frame. Yeah. And it's not even like what level you're at either. Like everyone kind of has the same schedule, which is a little funky because you're like trying to, you basically plan all your vacations like within this three weeks. And so you know that those are like your sacred weeks. So Uh we always tell our friends and family like, okay, Carson and I are going on a vacation this time. Like, yeah, I feel like with football, it's always all the like anniversaries and stuff are always like the first week of July. (laughs) Yeah. They're all the same. That's the only time you can have a wedding is like in June or July because you are never able to commit to a date. No. And that's the other thing was like, we plan our vacations. I swear we were like in the middle of trying to plan this dang vacation for so long, but we're waiting to hear like what week he had to be in the office Mm -hmm. and so we had to wait on that which doesn't come till late so then you're like okay what what week is it what week did you get it's like the lottery (laughs) like what week did you get okay now we can plan our vacation where are you going well we're going to Austin we always go to Austin for fourth of July say always he always goes to fourth of July with his friends and I've been once it's super fun we go and float the river get like a big Airbnb house with a bunch of his friends and significant others. So we're doing that for the 4th of July. And then we are going to Cabo at the end of July to celebrate my 30th birthday because my birthday falls during football. So oh yeah, we're both August babies. Yeah, we're August babies. So yeah, so we definitely get that. But I think I heard 30 is the new 21. Yeah, that's what I keep telling myself. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I feel, I don't know if you're out there and you're in your 20s, I was always so worried about turning 30. Like I was dreading it. That's what I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, turning 30, I'm going to feel so old. But honestly, I feel the best I've ever felt. And I know people say that to you all the time and you're like, yeah, yeah, you're just saying that because like you're almost 30 and you kind of have to feel that way. But I really do feel the most secure in myself. And for me, I don't have kids. So it's kind of nice. Like we have 
enough money to do the things that we want to do. We're not like rolling in the dough by any means, but we're not like struggling college kids either. And we're not just like fresh out of college. Yeah. I feel like 30, I was talking about this with a friend the other day. I was like, I feel like 30 is where you kind of get settled. Like you, you like crush through and grind through the Mm twenties and then you get there and you're like, okay, I've kind of like kind of figured this out. Yeah. Kind of. But you guys are going to Mexico as well. Yeah, we're going to Mexico. So we are going to Cancun. And it's so funny. That's one of the perks that I do love about being an event planner because you get kind of spoiled when you go to these different places for events because you get the ins and outs of different properties and stuff so we're just going to secrets as well but it's in cancun and it's you know it's awesome like i love that property i've been there it's called ocumal i can never say it right but Mm -hmm. it's about 45 minutes from the airport but if you've never been to mexico for those out there i'm gonna tell you out there it is not that scary i've been like four times it's okay so i think you have to do it right i mean yeah yeah not like hop in a taxi and go downtown. Yeah, yeah. I think it's different. When you sit at the resort the whole time, it's a, it's a little bit of a different experience probably than people wandering the streets of Mexico. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah. we're really excited about this episode. We interviewed this badass woman who is in real estate. Her name is Holly, and her husband has been in the baseball industry for over 15 years, and they've kind of done the minor league climb like a lot of our listeners out there have done and she is just a breath of fresh air because she is honestly a powerhouse in the real estate industry you know I don't think there is any better word though to describe her as a badass like I I know know that we're trying to be all like censored and whatever but sorry your children's ears (laughs) there's nothing else that describes her better we were you know just loving this interview because a lot of our interviews know we're trying to learn all about these different industries but this is the first one I feel like we really just dive all in to you know just the behind the scenes yeah we really didn't talk too much about baseball I mean a little bit obviously but we're trying really to gear our mindsets to these different industries and being able to provide you guys the best resources. So she is a wealth of knowledge in the real estate agency. I'm excited for y'all to listen to this interview. Grab a drink and sit down and we will see you on the other side of this episode. Hey girls, how are you? Hi. I am Holly Meyer-Lucas and I am in the Jupiter, Florida area with between Orlando and Miami, if you're not familiar with where Jupiter is. A lot of people say this area is the Palm Beaches, Treasure Coast, but uh, but Jupiter has actually emerged as kind of a sports and entertainment hub. We have a ton of athletes that live in this area specifically. I am from, well, I've lived all over, but I went to high school in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I've been here in the Jupiter area for seven years now. So why Jupiter? Why did you decide to move there? So Jupiter is a hub for athletes. I think that anyone in the sports world knows someone that that lives here. There are a bunch of super, super famous people that live here. And it's not, people don't live here because of the famous people, right? It's because we all tend to congregate around each other in general. And Jupiter is home to two, actually three pretty prominent athletic training facilities. So a lot of people spend their off seasons here. And I mean, you know how that is like us wives like to be around each other. So one person is here, the next person is here, and then it just becomes this hub. The thing that makes Jupiter so unique is if you are someone that is, uh, you know, more recognizable or not, like if I say that, you know, my husband works in baseball, it's not a weird thing to say to people here, you know, so people just kind of go with the flow. And there's like this, this joke about how like Joe Namath is always in public. Like people see him in public like all the time. 
but other than that, like, it's like not abnormal to see a professional athlete here. And I think that's why people, people live here. Yeah. I want to know. So we've kept the audience listening right now on their toes. So you need to explain what, what are you doing in the sports industry? So how in the world are you there and your significant other? What do y'all do? Where do y'all dive into this big picture? Yeah. So uh, my husband played baseball for 14 seasons. Uh, We were, we, he, y'all do that in football. Y'all say we. (laughs) Oh my God. So it rolls off my tongue. Like, I don't even think twice about it when I say it. And it, to people outside the world, it's like, well, we, you, you, he, who, <laughs> we, he, whatever. He was in the minors for like 10 years before he got called up. So we were all over the place. We were with God, eight different organizations, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he retired almost five seasons ago. Yeah, five seasons ago. And he's in kind of a front office type role with the Giants right now, the San Francisco Giants. And um, I have always worked. I have never really been able to travel with him, primarily because I get super restless and I've always liked having my career. But after I had kids, I was working in medical sales and I realized that there was no way for me to travel anymore after I had kids. And so I was, I remember this like clear as day. Um, My husband and I were having dinner and I was like, I don't really know what to do career-wise because I'm like an expert in medical you know, mm-hmm. whatever I was doing in medical sales. And the only other thing I know how to do is to like move up, right? <laughs> like I'm a freaking like Zillow, like I'm the, probably the best navigator of Zillow of all time. And he was like, well, there you go. Welcome to real estate. <laughs> go get your license. So I started my team pretty much immediately right after I, I got my license. And this is funny, actually going back to how I talk in terms of we, so my very first listing appointment that I went on, so someone had called me to sell their house. And I remember just thinking like, how did you get my number? Like, <laughs> where did you find me? Like I had, you know, like all like my profiles and websites and everything set up as one does when you get your license. And this guy called me and was like, Hey, I want to sell my house. would love to come interview you. And I just remember being like, uh, okay. Like pretended like I'd been there before, <laughs> but during the whole interview process, I kept saying we. So I kept saying, and not because of what I was saying earlier about we, I was just like, I just, I wanted him to like perceive me as having, you know, like an admin staff and backup. And, and so then I got back to, I was with Keller Williams at the time and I got back to the office and was like, oh shit, I got to find a, a partner because <laughs> I just told this guy <laughs> this perception that we're a week. That's awesome. <laughs> there was a girl in the office. She's like 20 years old. So we ended up closing that house. And the joke is she couldn't even go get champagne for us to like celebrate because she wasn't even 21 yet. Oh. That was <laughs> six years ago. I have 15 agents now. We sell a hundred million dollars a year in real estate. My team's on a tear and I absolutely love it. That's so cool that you kind of built this on something that you didn't even realize that you were good at until you were kind of knee deep in this baseball industry and moving around and doing all these crazy things for your husband's job. So I guess to kind of back up a little bit, you talked about being in the minor leagues for 10 years, which I know is a grind and, and it doesn't get as enough recognition as it is. And I kind of want to dive into that a little bit because if you guys haven't seen her Instagram post that she posted the other day, it's it was like so, fire. Yeah. It was just like, boom. It's so true. And <laughs> so I kind of want you to dive into that a little bit, if you don't mind, just how how the minor league system was and what made you post that. Yeah. So baseball and a lot of different sports, I know hockey and, and golf feel this too, to some degree. When you say that you're, you know, what your boyfriend or husband does, it's, it's an automatic conversation starter. And by that, I mean, everyone always has a follow-up question. It's funny when we do like networking, like if, if, if I have to bring my husband to a networking event, 
whenever I introduce myself and say that I own a real estate company, it's almost like a conversation ender completely. Like nobody wants to talk to the realtor ever. So it's so funny. Like we'll look at each other and we'll like, if we don't want to engage with the person, it's like, I'm like, hello, I'm a realtor. Nice to meet you. <laughs> no, it's no follow-up question. But for baseball, if he says he's a baseball player or that he works in baseball, when he said that he was a baseball player, there is always that follow-up question, which is, oh, so who do you play for? Or do you play professional? Or like, they always want to know how good you were or are, or, or if there's any kind of common ground, blah, blah, blah. It's exhausting because there's so many misconceptions about sports in general and athletes in general. The biggest one, I think, or one of the biggest ones is how it works until you make the big time. And I think that's true for, I think every sport and every, like in the coaches world too, I'm sure you guys get that too. Like when you say your husband's a coach, it's like, well, what is he, co- you know, like what people don't understand at mm-hmm. all. Oh yeah. We always get the follow-up questions and yeah. it's like, I feel like maybe people just need to be more educated and I don't know. It, I feel like there's a way to ask that because I, I have found over time people are just genuinely like curious and interested because they think it's so unique, but then it always comes off like, oh, that's it. Or, oh, and it's, it's not supposed to be that way. Cause I mean, even in the minors or even at the level, like for football in our industry, there's like GA, there's QC, there's volunteers, there's all these different things. And people don't recognize that you have to grind to get to that top spot and you are literally like working your butt off. So I think I totally agree with you. I think that it's interesting that you do, you go to a conversation or some kind of social event. It's always like a first question and then there's like a follow-up. So, oh, so he does what or you do what? And it's always like, oh, you coach for who? And then you're like, hello, me right here. I have a job too. So the reason why I posted that was because it's being a, a realtor, like when other agents or like the title company or the lender, you know, whoever, When they ask, there are so many times when it's a genuine question and they genuinely just are curious and, you know, trying to have a a fun conversation, right? But then there are so many times where it feels so backhanded, where the person is just really trying to gauge whether or not they're in a conversation that's cool. And that part is the part that annoys the shit out of me. And I always think of this example with attorneys, there are within a law firm, there are so many different levels of, you know, whether you're a partner or junior associate or a summer associate, but if you say you're an attorney, you're an attorney, nobody like asks you how good you are at, at the lawyering. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So in yes. sports, it's just, it feels so invasive. Like, oh, you're a professional baseball player. Well, like, how good are you? <laughs> just for my education, why do you think from your point of view that minors, like the leagues do not get that recognition that they should just because I feel like there's some diehard support behind some of these minor leagues teams. So I just wonder why do you think that is, that it's just valued that Oh gosh, it's such a great question. So I think in baseball in particular, there are a couple of things going on. One, there are so many levels of the minors that I think the general population just doesn't know, uh, just doesn't know how it works. Two, the teams have wackadoodle names. They're <laughs> owned locally, but affiliated with the national team. So like if you're with the, you know, the baby cakes in New Orleans, which is the <laughs> literal name of a team yeah. in New Orleans, right? But people just don't understand that like how it works and what it means and um and then they all don't have weird names but but they the affiliates change hands so often too mm-hmm. that um that there's confusion there and then i think the biggest thing is that in baseball there is this like humbleness that is required of the so the people that the people that know the answers to this question and can talk about it don't because they're the ones that are playing right mm-hmm. and they're taught and in their clubhouse culture nobody is going on 
national TV talking about how much of a grind it is in the minors, right? Mm -hmm. Until recently, right? Like the fact that we're even having this podcast is like, like that I'm a guest on your podcast 10 years ago when Ed and I first met that would, this would never have happened 10 years ago. Like, I feel like the wives have, have found their voice and caught their stride and a lot of the minor league guys have too. So I think we're, we're getting there for sure. Yeah. We love that. That's kind of why we built this whole podcast anyways. Like there is so many stereotypes and so many different misconceptions of the sports industry as a whole. And, and it was so, you know, one molds only type of mindset of you have to be this type of person to be in that lifestyle. And it's just, it's not that way. And we're trying to normalize that. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you are a girlfriend or a wife or a fiance, or maybe you never want to get married and maybe, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. And I think that's the same is true for the men that are in this industry. Like it doesn't have to be that they are going to make in the big leagues and they're going to, you know, it doesn't matter. They can have different goals and that's okay. <laughs> oh, totally. It's, I mean, and speaking from someone who's like, my husband was in the minors for 10 years a and time. a long time, but he was in AAA for like seven of those years making really good yeah. money. You know, the other question that I think that the public needs to stop asking is, um, so what are you going to do after you're done playing? Mm-hmm. Like that question is like, so when this doesn't work out, yes. Yes. Like what's <laughs> what your you plan B? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Again, granted in the athlete world, like there's an obvious like age thing there. Right. right but right. I have a lot of friends in the baseball industry and I know that they would just get so frustrated with having to answer those stream of questions that come after like you know, once they say that they're a baseball player. So does he ever lie and say that he's not a baseball player? Like I had a friend that was like, I'm a dolphin trainer. And like, that's a really interesting <laughs> profession. I don't know. You know, like, does he like go off the deep end? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred percent. So we met, this, so we met at a bar in Atlanta. Our very first conversation was, was a lie. It was a bold faced <laughs> lie. He said he was an underwater welder. Yes. Why did we come up with these crazy professions? <laughs> My literal response was, okay, nobody in Atlanta, Georgia is an underwater welder. So prove it. Like, what's the name of your tool that you use? And he was like, <laughs> and then he like named off his bat and I was like, okay. And how much does that cost? And where do you get it? And who pays for it? And what's the name? Like, I just like drilled into it. Cause I like, and the funny thing is I thought that he was wanting to blow me off completely yeah. like I had no idea that he actually played baseball like, <laughs> way less cool than being an underwater welder <laughs> let's unpack that going up and down like in those levels like for baseball I know that it's really intense and so as compared to different salaries and things like that you sound like you have been independent and just doing your own thing career-wise since the beginning so I want to know have you felt like that kind of sense of not regret per se, but just like, I wish I could have gone and been where he was at. Or are you just surely confident and like, this is what I wanted to do. This is what worked best. Yeah. So I, I always kind of stumble over this answer when, when I'm telling my, <laughs> my proverbial story, because for so many wives, we have to give up so much in terms of our friends and our careers and our family and and it is, it is the life that we sign up for. And I don't think anyone jumps into this head first without at least realizing really quickly what you're signing up for. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that that's the wife and girlfriend thing too, right? Like, I mean, how many times do you guys ask or like, like it's highlighted how quote unquote hard it is. And it is. So, so I'm always really careful to highlight that I have been so independent because I think a lot of women really struggle with like, should I travel with him or not? And for me, it has always been like absolutely not even a question or a shadow of a doubt that I have to have a career. 
I guess a long-winded way of answering your question is that I don't have any regrets. Although I will say that at, when we had kids, our sons, being, so I have three boys, our sons being able to be like there and on the field. And that might be the only fringe benefit of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of what we do, right? Like the kids being able to go like in the clubhouse. And so for that reason, I, I wish that that we could travel more. I do just want to say though, that I think that you having your own career and, you know, doing your own thing and you finding that that is what you need to complete yourself is just such a new concept. Because even when I, I mean, I haven't been in this, this whole industry for very long, but I mean, I'm going on, I think my seventh season and even six or seven years ago, I feel like it was such an odd thing that you keep your career And then he gets to keep his. Like, there was this weird, I feel like it's finally becoming normalized. And I don't know if it's because remote is more, you know, acceptable or whatever. But I think that that's great that you figured it out before, you know, it was too late. And you kind of just lost what you find is important to yourself. So it's so interesting. I think about this all the time. I think that it's not necessarily that it's a new thing. I think that the women... I feel like it's become so much more acceptable for us to have found our voices, whether we are traveling, because that's a new thing too, being outspoken about traveling. Like again, literally 10 years ago, I don't think that this conversation would be happening because of the like, oh, like veteran, rookie, like like just the levels and the hierarchy among us women too. Mm -hmm. Like I remember the first game that I went to, he had been signed with a new team and I remember showing up and just feeling so... And maybe it was in my head, but it wasn't like the, the hierarchy involved, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that used to exist and it still does exist to some degree, but it's not, it's nowhere near where it was 10 years ago. And I think that that's a product of social media and us coming together and the community that has been created largely by, by people like y'all, like this, your entire website and podcast. And I mean, everything about it is so, when I discovered it the other day, I was like, how the heck have I missed this? I'm, like, you guys are so funny. I think that you guys have done this perfect mix of being like self-deprecating, but educational and not like a, hey, look at me, I'm a coach's wife. Because that's a fine line too. That is a, a fine very line. fine line. That has never been a thing for me. Like I want to have kind of like you, like I want to have my own thing that people can say, wow, she does this, you know, and it's not based on his job. And that's not, that's not what defines me. And so I think we were really careful to not have that define us in the sense that it kind of has because we're (laughs) building a podcast on that. But, you know, it doesn't define us in the sense that we have our own identities and we interview women like yourself that just have their own passions and drives for things aside from the sports industry, which is why I want to dive really deep into real estate because as a whole in the sports industry, we all have to go through this. We all have to baseball a lot more than other sports we are like in awe of how much y'all move and are constantly packing things up so what are some top tips that you give to people in this industry when buying or selling a home oh my god I love this question so much and I love this topic so much which is why I made it my (laughs) so the where do you live question is probably one of the most like panic inducing questions of our athlete community right like where are you from first of all I feel like if you ask any of the athletes themselves that and the wives, it's like, well, do you mean at this exact, like, how do I answer this? <laughs> yeah. Because also, because also everything is verifiable online, right? So if you say where you currently, like your current city, I mean, it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> but in every sport has a different custom for how the families live for the most part. And when I say for the most part, I mean, 
like stereotypically, and I realize that this is like a blanket statement. So for example, in baseball, most people have their home base where they live in the off season and then they go, they go to whatever city they're in for season. They also in baseball, we have to go to spring training, which is either in Florida or in Arizona, which sucks. It sucks if you're a salty, salty old person like me. <laughs> but it used to be fun. It used to be so fun. We used to go to Scottsdale and like it'd be so fun. We'd go out and do the whole thing. And now it's like uh, God, <laughs> six weeks to <laughs> Arizona. I digress. So in real estate, there are three homes. There's your off-season home, your in-season home, and then your spring training home. And so that off-season home becomes so insanely important to the family. And, and having that home base is something that's really, really important. In the NFL, a lot of times a guy will move and his family will move to whatever city they're with. Sometimes they'll buy. That's really common. In the NBA, it's really common to buy where you are. In golf, a lot of the families are actually here in the Jupiter area, again, because we all kind of congregate around each other. So anyway, long story short, the, the answer to that is, is really interesting in real estate because it's, it's not all-encompassing for athletes at all. We were just talking about this before we started recording. College football coach life is something that is extremely unique, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, like y'all don't really get an off-season at all, right? right? Like your husbands are recruiting and coaching. You know, I mean, it's on-season, off-season. Like what's the difference, right? And I think y'all move permanently to wherever it is that, yep. that where your husband is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that is consistent though in real estate is, and people always think that this is so interesting. I usually talk to the athlete last. So I either get introduced to him or her directly, and then I'll immediately start working with their spouse, or I'll I'll already have had an established relationship with their agent or financial advisor. The majority of my business comes from the relationships I have with agents and financial advisors family offices, business managers, whatever that role is in in the MBA, they have a lot of business managers, which are agents kind of, those are the relationships that are worth their weight in gold. And I think that's a major misconception that the athletes themselves aren't necessarily sitting there browsing homes and and in the (laughs) minutiae, a lot of the stuff happens for them, which is really cool, but it's also extremely stressful for everyone involved. For our industry, it's, that's what it's so interesting is Basically, when we get the call, we move and we we have been renting just because of what we've done. But most people, as they get a call and they're like, okay, we're moving and they have to buy and sell within like, I mean, it's as fast as possible because usually our significant others would already be down at that next location. So it's so interesting because like, for example, the market in Pullman is very different than the market down here. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to balance that, I have not experienced that myself. But when you have uh, clients that are moving to all these different locations, I mean, how do you tell them like, okay, you had this budget and this is what you got. And then now you have this and there's a whole new area over here. So it's so different everywhere you go. Yeah, it totally is. And I think that there's a lot of sensitivity around, rightfully so, around how, like if if I'm working with someone who's a, a big name person, there's a lot of sensitivity around taking advantage of that. So like, when they are renting, for example, asking what their budget is, I have to be really careful. And usually because I'm in the world, I get kind of a pass with this, but I have to be careful sometimes how I ask. If you think about how you phrase that question, if I say, how much are they willing to spend? What's their budget? You could be potentially insulting their gatekeeper, which is their agent or you know whoever. I, like I said, get a pass luckily, but that's something that my colleagues 
run into a lot. And then on the flip side of that, if you're working with someone who is in the minors, it's, you know, what's their budget could also be kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. unsensitive. One of the things that really is probably the biggest game changer is having a network of realtors who I can send my clients to that I know, know the drill. It's, it is probably one of the most exhausting things that I have to do is explaining to a, a receiving realtor why their lease. So if, if someone gets traded, for example, and I need to find an agent and Pullman, right? Mm-hmm. Finding an agent there and then explaining why, granted, there's no minor league team there, but let's say there is, why <laughs> this guy needs to have a lease that's like month to month. And then they usually come back and say, well, I'm sure, you know, they want something that's super luxurious. And like they always think that they want these like city high rise, sexy condo thing. I feel like that's like this athlete stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So explaining it over and over and over again is like exhausting. But luckily I have a really strong national network of realtors that if anyone ever needs a recommendation, I have some slayers. That's (laughs) awesome. So you do have like, I was going to ask that question next because obviously, you know, trades happen and things happen so quickly and in the baseball industry, everything's so fluid, you're moving constantly. So you have people that you kind of refer them to and then, or do you yourself ever do any kind of things outside of Florida? Yeah. So sometimes I will, if it's something that needs to happen on the flippity fly. And if I have a comfy enough relationship with their agent or financial advisor, where I can say, yo, I don't know Pullman that well, but I'm more than happy to help. Like I always Mm -hmm. just put that disclaimer in there heavily. What a lot of realtors will do when they have like a client, that's like a big name client. They try to micromanage that. Like you, you really have no business doing business outside of your immediate geographic area in real estate, Mm -hmm. unless, unless the agent or financial advisor is wanting you to do so, right? Gotcha. One thing that's so interesting is in our network, so it's called Next Move and it's like a athlete realtor network. A lot of times we are the, like we're so dialed into the trades that are happening because we usually hear about them first on the back end, right? And it'll usually be like when someone has, if there's a trade between let's say Philly and LA, our agent in Philly and our agent in LA will have already done the, the switch with each other like behind the scenes before anybody. And, and because it's like an, kind of an open network, usually all of us know what's happening before the, the general public does. That's, That's so always cool. kind of a fun anecdote. I guess you have to pay attention to all of these different trades and things that are going on versus in our world, we try not to pay attention to it because yeah. we're like, oh, great. You don't want to have to think about that, you know, before you get to that point. So basically you have to assume that people are going to be moving all the time and kind of make these special suggestions. So it's a special like niche versus just, I guess, moving to a new place and finding a realtor that just is going to give you some options in that area. You're kind of negotiating things just in case they do have trades or different deadlines that they have. So I'm, I'm talking right now all about how leases work, right? So when you're buying and selling a home, it's, it's totally different. But with leases, if anyone listening to this is a realtor who wants to get into this world, definitely read the collective bargaining agreement, the, the sections in the CBAs that talk about this. So like, I know that language backwards and forwards in the, the baseball one, because I, I write my leases with addenda in place so that if and when someone does get traded, the landlord agrees to XYZ, the tenant agrees to ABC, and then there isn't, like, it's pre-negotiated. That's something that I've learned along the way, and that's one of the topics that I speak on a lot, because it's so easy ahead of time to be like, yo, landlord, if, if he gets traded, will you be cool with me assigning this lease to a new player, or are you okay with me finding a replacement for it, but he, letting him off the hook? And it's like, well, yes, duh. You know, why not have the conversation ahead of time? You know? Yeah, that's interesting. We should have that, I feel like, because both of us had to get out of our leases early to move down here. We were both renting up in Pullman, and, and it's kind of that, like, 
uh, hey, you know, you're going to have a bunch of new people. I mean, Pullman's a really small town in, in Starkville where we live now is a really small town. So you do have those new coaches that are going to come in and probably be in those places because there's not very many options. So that's interesting that we don't really have that in football, I feel like. Yeah, because we, we literally live in each other's houses. That's what happens. Like, we all do this turntable. So, like, as soon as I moved out in Pullman from mine, there was the new coaching family moving into my townhouse. It was literally, like, just a round robin. Like, yeah. oh, welcome through. Like, an open door. So, I do think that's interesting. But I, I want you to, to give our listeners, like, okay, when you get the job and you find out you're moving, what is the first thing that you need to do? Because a lot of the time, we've gotten some feedback. Everyone panics when you figure out you have to move um, and if you've done it a couple times you're like oh, okay I know that I go to Zillow and kind of like stalk this area a little bit but what do you think is the best piece of advice you could give someone like got the job now what <laughs> yeah okay so just some qualifiers here. this is assuming that, that it's something that was unplanned right or like in the off season like yeah. you're yeah okay so the very first thing that you should not do is go to Zillow and start contacting <laughs> contacting a bunch of it i'm guilty okay so here's why right? let me break this down for you on the real estate too bad we didn't why. know you before holly <laughs> well okay so, so there are two things going on and it's actually if there's if there's one platform that exists for me to like air this out i'm gonna do it right now so <laughs> back to when i was talking about how i started my team one of the things that i did was i bought leads from zillow and what that means is i gave zillow 500 of my dollars and they gave me contact information of people who had clicked the contact agent. Now, when you click contact agent, it doesn't necessarily go to the listing agent. So you are being sold to a brand new rookie agent who has no idea what they're doing. If so facto, you are talking. Did you know that? I did Most people know don't. That. <laughs> Most people don't. And I, just, like... I just bought my first house and I was, that's why I'm getting contacted by all these random people. Cause I did the Zillow thing. You were sold. <laughs> you were sold contact information yes. so let me clarify though that i literally built my business by buying zillow leads at first because i was terrified of asking my family for business and terrified of like forcing my friends to work with me so it is mutually beneficial it's very mutually beneficial and that's how if you're buying a house if you do not have an agent as an athlete or their wife or girlfriend clicking that button is like the death of because what ends up happening you get on the phone with them and then you're like hey i need to find a place my husband you know, does X, Y, Z, ABC, as we were talking earlier, right? Like about how that's a conversation opener. Yep. <laughs> they're going to have a hundred questions about what they do. And it's just going to be a time suck for you. And then what they're going to do is they're going to start looking for the property for you. And you may have done that two or three times. So now all of a sudden you have four different realtors that are all looking for the same criteria that you are. And they're putting it out all over the interwebs. And all of a sudden now a landlord has two offers, but those offers are both from the same person, you, right? So what you should do first is, is do you guys have agents in college football? Is that a at thing? At certain yes. levels you do, yes. yes. Uh-huh. You can get an agent at any point. A lot of the time it's more the guys that have been in it longer and head coaches. Got it. I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to answer it broadly as professional athletes, because again, going back to this, I think college football coaches are specifically very different. So as an athlete, if you get traded, sent up, called down, whatever it is, the first thing that you should do is find the place that you're going to be living first before you worry about getting out of your current situation. So prioritize that because worst case scenario with a lease is you have to buy it out, right? So that sucks. Like you never, ever, ever want that to happen, but that's the worst case scenario. That's always going to happen when you sign a lease. If you can picture where you're going, if you can get an address 
the biggest thing is getting an address for where you're going because then you can start shipping things. You can start picturing it. You can start lining up your car, like everything can pivot around. Uh, most of the time too, <laughs> most normal people don't know, know this, but like your husband leaves you, right? Like mm-hmm. when they sign, <laughs> at least that's how it is in baseball. Yes. Like they're gone. Sometimes yep. they're on the road and they find out on Twitter and they're like on a plane in the next, like next thing you know, you're sitting there like, well, now what? <laughs> yeah. So two other resources that are really valuable are the team's resources are deep and they're equipped to help you. I feel like that's something that is kind of no duh for those of us that know it, but a lot of the girlfriends in particular don't know that. Like the wives do because we are introduced, right? Like into the the wife wrangler scene, but a lot of the girlfriends don't actually know that they that they can have access to the resources too if they just ask for it. That's good advice, yeah. Working with an agent that knows what they're doing is so freaking important too. I cannot emphasize that enough. I've had to undo so many situations where, the agent just didn't think to put like an assignability clause or, okay, so when you find your your place, let's say you're renting, document everything with photos so that you don't get charged an arm and a leg through security deposit. Make sure the landlord knows that you're documenting everything so that they don't keep your deposit. <laughs> There's so many things you can do to protect yourself. I could keep going, but I'm not going to. <laughs> No, well, no. I literally feel like we could talk to you for like five hours about this. So we might need to do like a, a Instagram story or some kind of something where we can give some tips and things. But with the baseball industry, we always ask this question. So we want to end the interview on this one. But if you were to go back in time and tell yourself one thing that you know now that you wish you would have known when you were starting out in this journey, what would you tell yourself? It, it, this sounds so cheesy and so stupid, but I like I literally wish that I could go back and tell myself that everything is already planned and it's going to go how it's planned. Like you cannot, and this is so true for, for the athlete world and someone who has a a career too, like the plan is written by God, the universe, whatever you want to believe the plan is already written. And, And I think it's so true for baseball wives in particular, because baseball is like failure based. You're batting 300 which is a crazy good batting average. You're succeeding every third time, right? So failure super high. You get sent up, called down, moved all the time. Baseball is like relentless with the emotions involved. And I think just kind of Jesus takes the wheel, like that mentality of just like not worrying about what's going to happen, where you're going to be. It sounds so cliche. And I feel like that's like, I'm sure so relatable for you too. Like just stop worrying about it because the the foundation is laid and what's going to happen is going to happen. And you should rise to every occasion, but also roll with the punches. That is perfect answer. I feel like you try to plan as much as you can. It's easier said than done. Because I mean, to be honest, my personality, I try to control every inch of what's going on. It never works out. So I feel like it's just one of those things that you have to constantly remind yourself. But I do appreciate you coming on and, you know, coming and just being so open and honest and just real talk about what goes on behind the scenes and what we experience. If people want to find you, where can they find you? Like what's your Instagram handle or what's the best way to contact you if they're interested in maybe utilizing your services? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks for that. So my Instagram handle is holly.meyer.lucas, which I just changed by the way. It used to be holly, whoa, like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But we went, we went adult with it and I'm I'm just, I'm I'm on the fence if I should change it back. Kind of like the one. I like Hollywood. <laughs> I know I miss it so much. Nobody else does, but I do. And then our website, if you do have any question ever about, so leases in particular are so tricky. Leases and rentals are not my business. I sell real estate. However, 
because I work with athletes, I happen to be an expert in this rental hell that we all live in, right? And so if anyone ever has any questions about their lease or about getting out of it or what to do, I'm always so, so happy to help. You can email me at holly at myerlucas.com. Awesome. And we will include all that in the show notes, but thank you so much again for joining us and to everyone that's listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on more than a season podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at more than a season podcast for the latest updates. If you enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.